Hello friends, welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. As we do the Dharma talk today, just I'm going to give some examples of challenges that we have with impermanence. And when something lands for you or something resonates with you or it's something that's been an example in your own life, just take a note of it. It doesn't have to be anything that pulls you out of mindfulness, but just take a note. I've found that like by the time we get to discussion, even if thoughts have popped up by the time we get together and kind of talking, then I forget what <laughs> I forget what was on my mind or what landed for me in the talk. So just take a note or two if something lands for you. Um, the whole goal tonight of this Dharma talk is just to introduce us to this topic of Anicca and really to honor and normalize the fact that this is a very challenging thing for human beings. So I'm going to talk about why this is so important to Buddhism and give you some examples of why it's so challenging for us day to day to manage change in our lives, to accept change in our lives, uh, to anticipate change without fear or anxiety, and to basically get in touch with how we relate to Anicca or impermanence, because that's what this is really all about. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, tonight, and then we'll talk about it. The Buddha offers this famous list called the three characteristics or the three perceptions. And all of you know, for the most part, what those three things are. Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta, impermanence, stress or discontent, suffering, and not-self. Anicca can also be translated as inconstancy, change, growth. It is the energetic movement of human existence and the cosmos itself. It is the fact that we are in fact in time and everything is moving, in flux, changing, not permanent. And so the Buddha has these three characteristics as being really important because each one of these frameworks or lenses can be used as tools for liberation. Sometimes people say that anicca, dukkha, and anatta are things to be accepted, and if we just accept them, then sort of enlightenment arises. But actually, it's a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more complex than that. Really, anicca, dukkha, and anatta are ways of relating to the world. They're ways of seeing the world, and it's in that seeing, in that relatedness, that we gain the skills and we create the positive heart-mind qualities that ultimately lead to liberation. So it really isn't enough just to accept that change happens. You know, it's not enough to say, yeah, there's suffering in life, I get it. It's not enough to be able to notice that the self is a little fluid, that it arises and passes away, that feelings and thoughts arise and pass away. It's not enough to notice these things. We have to use these frameworks intentionally. We have to use them with skill in order to generate a way of being in the world, a way of relating to the world that leads to long-term happiness and well-being. And so they're very important. They're just not the end goal. And that's uh, what I always like to 
clarify when we talk about Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. Tonight I just want to focus on Anicca, impermanence, change. And there's two reasons that change is such a big deal in the Dharma. <laughs> Anicca, Dukkha is probably the most used word in the Dharma, but Anicca is pretty high up there is how many times the word Dukkha comes out in a Dharma talk or something like that. And so I know it's a little obvious, but the Buddha basically says, look, we are a system of change, changing thoughts, changing breath, changing feelings, changing body, change, change, change. We are a system of change that exists in a larger ecosystem of change. All around us, there is this energy of impermanence. It is an intimate experience to be an embodied being that we experience growth and change, that nothing that our awareness lands on ultimately feels solid. Ultimately, there's a sense that it's just sort of out of control and that we're along for the ride. Even though it is so obvious in one sense that everything is changing, and it's a very intimate experience to know this through growing and aging, living a life, we see that things change. We have different relationships and different jobs, different hobbies. We live in one place, then we move to another place. We know that change is a part of living. And yet, we struggle with it. We struggle to accept change. We struggle to manage change. We struggle to initiate change in our lives, even though we know changing something like giving up a behavior or quitting a job or maybe ending a toxic relationship, even though we know certain things would be better off if we change them, oftentimes we hesitate or procrastinate or fear what's going to happen if we engage in change. So even though change is so close with each breath to who we are as people, even though change is everywhere, the soup of Anicca that we swim in every day, every moment, even though that's the case, we still struggle with impermanence. We struggle acknowledging, managing, and initiating change in our lives in a way that feels liberating, that feels healthy, that feels that there's a sense of freedom and ease. Instead, there's this friction that usually happens when it comes to change. So the Buddha acknowledges that anicca is one of these essential qualities of the human experience, and then also acknowledges how much suffering we accrue and accumulate in how we relate to it. Some of us, not myself, but some of you, might manage change very well. For me, I struggle with managing change. I'll stay in a bad situation for a long time before changing. I need to have all my ducks in a row. Everything has to be organized. I'm not one of those people that just pulls the trigger on big changes, even medium changes in my life. I always have to be the person that has everything kind of planned out. So I don't deal with change very well. Meditation helps, but it is something that I know personally is very challenging for me. And I know I'm not the only one in different domains of our life. Oftentimes, the response to change is not acceptance or excitement, though it could be. Oftentimes, we resist it. Oftentimes, we wish the change wasn't happening. We regret that it's happening, or we anxiously anticipate it happening. Oftentimes, we hesitate to initiate change, especially if it's going to be all on us and it's a very big decision. We might procrastinate a while. 
And in worst case scenario, and we've all probably had this experience, and if you don't think this is about you, maybe it's about someone you know who is in great denial that something in their life would probably need to be changed and life would be better for it, but they simply don't see it or don't acknowledge it. So oftentimes we deny that change needs to take place or that it's something that we need to do. And of course, it's easier to see in other people sometimes than it is to see in ourselves. We all know someone in our life who we wish would end a relationship or move on from a job or uh, we meet with quite frequently and they're, um, you know, venting a lot about something and we just wish that they would make some kind of change. So we know how human beings are with this. It's, it's not easy. It's not challenging. Relationships often need to be changed. Jobs often need to be changed. Sometimes we just need to change our mind about something, but we're clinging to a point of view and we can't give up the point of view, even though we know that our point of view harms us in some way or trips us up or even trips up another person or other people in our lives. Sometimes we inherit points of view and we really wish we could change them, but we struggle. Even though we know that it would be helpful, we struggle, struggle to do something as simple as changing our point of view. Another thing we do in human relationships is human beings tend to be a part of communities. We're in spiritual communities, we're in hobby groups, or maybe we have a political group or a book group or a friendship group that we're in. Human beings move in and out of social circles. And when we are in different types of communities, sometimes the communities no longer are fulfilling or our personality changes and our interest moves on in a different direction. Maybe you used to enjoy bike riding with some friends and now you're not into that anymore and you want to move on to something else. And we struggle to make those changes because there is a kind of social pressure where not only do we identify with being a part of something, other people identify and know us as being a part of something. And when we try to leave or make a change, sometimes people feel that you're abandoning them or... Maybe they take it personally and think you don't like them. So there's a social part to change. Sometimes it's hard to make change because we don't want to hurt people's feelings or we don't want someone to feel left out. Sometimes we're in a group and we feel like it's not nourishing anymore and there's a sense of guilt and we don't really want to move on even though we feel like maybe it's best for us. I'm not the only person in this room who has probably been in a relationship, whether it be a friendship or perhaps a marriage or maybe even a family relationship, and at some point you realize you need to take a break and there has to be a change in the relationship and we don't know how to make it. We don't know how to move on. We don't know how to acknowledge the need to accept the Anicca and so we cling, we grasp, and we crave. And in doing that, we cause ourselves harm and sometimes causing, harms to, harming, <laughs> causing harm to others. This is totally normative. And that's something I want to stress. That's why it's in the Dharma, because it's universal that all human beings have some challenge with anicca, with change. There are two types of change that the Buddha talks about. One is change that comes from without, that's beyond our control, meaning you wake up one day and you get laid off. That's a change that's very uncomfortable, and you might not want to accept that, and that becomes a sense of suffering. You wake up one day and someone in the relationship says, I don't want to be in this relationship with you anymore. And that is a change that's 
in a sense, you don't have control over when it happens or how it happens. At any given day, things begin and end. Breath arises and passes away. People come and go. Sometimes we don't have control. In that case, our job is to adapt to the anicca, to find a healthy way of processing, accepting, and being in that situation. But then there's another type of change, the change that comes from within. Something that we want to change in our lives to help us to feel more nourished and alive and connected. It might just be, quote unquote, time for a change, right? Whatever, whatever it may be, any aspect of our, maybe it's just time to not, for me, <laughs> for me, it might be I don't eat Ben and Jerry's after midnight. I don't know. It could be anything that's time for a change. But will I be able to step up and make that? And change that comes from within is the kind of change that you get to decide when it happens. You prepare, you plan, you make the decision, and you initiate the change. So there's change that comes from within that we initiate and change that comes from without that is imposed on us or it feels like it's being imposed on us. The reason I make that distinction within the Buddhist teachings is because some of us might be really great with change that comes from the outside. I know people who just quote unquote roll with the punches. I know folks who change happens and they're like, no problem, I'm just going to surf that wave and they, they seem to be great at it. And other people, not so much, just depends. For myself, I'm much better at accepting change if it comes from without than if it comes from within. If I have to make the change... I'm going to make eight checklists and I'm going to wait six months before I make the change. But if it comes from without, I can adapt. I can use mindfulness and I have much greater equanimity and compassion if the change is being made for me. But if I have to make the decision, for me, that's a little more challenging. Knowing how you relate to change, that is how we get deeper into the concept of Anicca with our practice. How do you relate to change when it arises? How do you relate to change when it comes from without and it comes from within? These are things to consider. Anicca, it becomes a tool when we begin to get a deeper understanding of the habit patterns we have around change when it happens in our lives. What happens when there is a change that's happening with your kids or someone in your family, intimate connections? Those are changes that sometimes are challenging. What happens when there's a change at work or a change in a situation that affects your livelihood? So we have these habits, these ways of being that get activated, these selves that arise when different types of change occur in our lives. And knowing intimately how we respond, that is our doorway to freedom. So I wanted to offer just a few examples of why change is so hard for us as humans. And there's a zillion of them, but I just want to pick like my top three or four here and share with you some of the reasons why change is so difficult. The first one kind of freaks me out. <laughs> Here's the first reason change is so difficult for us as humans. And every time I read this in neuroscience research, I just think this is just bad design. Who designed my heart and mind to not enjoy the sensation of change. So here's, here's what neuroscience tells us. Neuroscience tells us that by nature, the brain and the heart, as I'll speak in this of Buddhist terms, the heart-mind does not enjoy at its base the sensation of change. 
So here we are living in a soup of change and we're bra our brain is hardwired to find the sensation of change to be disconcerting. And here's why. Whenever we make a change, we're moving into the unknown. Change means something new comes into being and something old falls away. By its nature, change feels like there is this unknown we're stepping into. Even if we plan, prepare, create checklists, we don't really know what's gonna happen once that change occurs or what's gonna happen when something sidelines us or hits us sideways in life. So the brain takes that feeling of unknownness, this, and it feels uncertain and insecure. And it literally registers a sensation of failure. The brain cannot distinguish an emotional sensation of failure with a sense of impending change. What a weird, <laughs> who designed this? This is a, <laughs> who designed the brain? I'd like to get them on the phone because this is really crazy. So as human beings, as we're anticipating change, preparing for change, living in change, we have a heart and mind that doesn't like it so much. We don't, we don't like the sensations of change because inside there's a sense of uncertainty, this sense of like, oh my God, it might not work out, it might fail. So if you're the kind of person that's afraid of failure or is afraid of making big decisions, welcome to the human club because your brain is hardwired to have that experience. Now granted, we now have the Dharma and the Buddha acknowledges that Anicca is such a big deal. And when I hear that, I realize, oh, right, here we are with this path of freedom it really makes sense if the brain and the heart are wired to really not like change, why Anicca would be critical to the Buddha Dharma. Because if we're going to be free as human beings, moment to moment, day to day, living in a sea of change, we're going to have to create some sense of compassion, wisdom, and equanimity around Anicca. Otherwise, Anicca becomes Dukkha, and it's a sense of stress and discontent. Another aspect of change that I find disconcerting, again, going back to neuroscience. The heart and mind often experience change, even when the change is good for us, as a sense of loss. It is very common underneath it all, even if you know that leaving a relationship is better, even if you know quitting a job or just accepting that something broke, your car broke down or whatever, that, okay, there's a change. Even knowing that it's something that you can manage or deal with, the heart and mind respond as if it's a loss. And so noticing that, holding those kind of sensations in awareness, that's where we're going with this sense of Anicca. Really acknowledging how do I react when there's a sense of change? Can I feel that subtle sense of loss? Can I feel that subtle sense of fear? And that is our avenue of using a Nietzsche and turning it into wisdom. One other thing I wanted to mention about why this is so hard for us. I mentioned the social element earlier, and I just want to clarify this for a second. <laughs> Again, this is kind of like a human trap. Um, it's perfectly designed <laughs> to cause us stress. So because human beings struggle with change, Oftentimes when a human being needs support to make a big change in their life or needs to do something and make a decision, we go to our friends or our family or our mentors and we try to get support to make these decisions, to accept the change or initiate the change. 
Now, of course, other human beings struggle with that. So oftentimes, when we go to someone to get support for a change that's coming in our life or a change we want to make, the other person advises us out of their own baggage, their own fear of change, their own hesitancy of change. So you've got two people whose brains are wired to be afraid of change, trying to support each other through the process of human transformation. So oftentimes, have you ever wanted to do something in your life? Like, let's say you want to start a new hobby, or let's say you want to play guitar or learn to write poetry or go on a hike or climb Mount Hood or whatever you want to do. You want to do something in your life, start a business. It can be anything. And you talk to someone about the change and they kind of poo-poo it. They kind of like don't give you the support and the optimism and the enthusiasm that you really would have liked from, you know, you go to someone you're like, oh, I'm going to do this new thing. And they're like, well, have you thought it through? Like, seems a bit risky. Like, I don't know. That's the natural part of their brain tied into the freakiness of change. Oh, but what if you fail? Like I know in my, in my experience, I've tried to start things up and I share something with someone and the first thing they say is, but what if it fails? What if, what if you suck at it? What if it's not going to work out? So I know I'm not the only one that's ever tried to make a change in life and been met with and a lack of support for what I wanted to do. This is something that happens frequently in this social dimension of a Nietzsche. Human beings are uncomfortable with change. One last thing I'll say, in our culture, particularly North American culture, there is a stigma around change oftentimes. I don't know if this would have been the same. I'm curious if this would have been something the Buddha would have been aware of in his culture. I don't know, but I know definitely in North American culture, oftentimes when we need to initiate some kind of change in our life, sometimes there's a stigma that change means failure. Change means you gave up too soon or you didn't stick it through. Um, I see this a lot in relationships as a therapist. Someone comes in, it's obvious the relationship needs to end and the person feels like it's a failure, even though it's not a failure. It's just it's time for the relationship to be over and it's time to move on. Sometimes we have this stigma that we shouldn't rock the boat. We shouldn't make changes. You just want to hang in there, stick it through, be resilient, be courageous. And this can take a really weird twist in our psyche of thinking that moving on from something and accepting that it's time to have a change in our life means that there's something wrong with us or that, you know, because we didn't complete something that we've erred in some way. And so this is, there's a stigma, uh, especially in like work culture, right? In corporate culture that you just keep, you just stick with it. You just don't give up, right? And sometimes we have to say the healthiest thing for us in a given moment is not to follow through, not to complete a task, not to continue to do something, even if we had committed to it, because we now realize that it's unhealthy and it's unwelcoming for us, or it's a relationship that's not working out and it's just time to move on. But it's difficult because there can be stigma depending on the family culture that we're from and the work culture and those kinds of things. I think I'll pause there. I think I'll pause there. So two things, just introducing this topic this week. How you relate to change is the meditation on impermanence. It's not simply that impermanence exists. It's how you react to it. How comfortable are you engaging it when it needs to be engaged? How adaptive are you when it happens suddenly? And what tools and skills do you have in the Dharma to manage change 
when it happens in your life. It's how we relate to it. That's where the freedom lies. And exploring that part of ourselves is really when we say a Nietzsche being used as a framework or a tool or a perception for freedom, we're talking about getting in touch with how we relate to it, relating to the fact of change as it arises and passes away with our lived experience and knowing the reasons and the habits we have that perhaps are unskillful, that don't help us to manage change and how we can practice engaging change in ways that are healthy and helpful for us and abandoning the ones that maybe we've inherited from our family system or inherited from, I don't know, reading a book or just living life or some experiences that cause us to perceive change in a particular way. So that's where we're, we're going with Anicca. And this whole thing that I've laid out is uh, the foundation for the workshop I was talking about, going deep into these concepts and getting to know ourselves as changing beings and beings that need to manage this day to day. Anicca. Thank you for extending your time here. Um, let's fall into Meta and offer some loving kindness to ourselves and others. I really appreciate you spending the evening with us all. Delights my heart every time. Let's offer some love to ourselves and others for a few minutes before we part ways. Take a long, slow, deep breath in, in through the nose and out through the mouth, feeling deeply into the body on the exhale. Returning awareness to this sitting body. Relaxing back into presence. Remembering that we're sitting here upright together, breathing. And we can be aware of this moment to moment. It's been about an hour and a half. What does the body feel like now? Noticing. Sensations of aliveness held in awareness. The truth of this present moment right here, right now. We remind ourselves at the end of our time together that although we come together to be free from suffering, to gain wisdom, decrease stress and discontent. Although we come together for our own well-being and our own freedom, it is helpful to recall our highest aspiration that all beings be free from suffering. And that our commitment is to be awake and aware, kind and generous, ardent and alert, so that we can show up in the world 
as a positive light for others. That our transformation will not only be healing for ourselves, but have a positive impact on everyone we meet. And it's in that spirit of loving kindness and generosity that we wish well for all beings. May all beings be free from danger, worry, and concern. May all beings know grace and ease in this lifetime. May all beings be loved and cared for. May all beings be free from suffering and know full liberation in this very life. May all beings be free. May all beings be free. Thank you for your presence, my friends. Thanks for sharing your time and your evening. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.